Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode of The Dairy Edge Podcast, health researcher Maureen Keneally explains the substantial economic loss to dairy farms where lameness is prevalent. That's an interesting question because we've just started a study this year, um, a few weeks ago, uh, and one of the aims of the study is to look at the levels of lameness. Now, so we're we're just a, a short time into this study, so we don't have the full 100 farms which we aim to sample. So, so far we've been out to um, 13 farms and across those 13 farms, we're looking at a level of about 14 to 15% lameness. Now, that, um, I suppose, would kind of fall into the high-ish category. I suppose you're looking at over 20% is really high and you'd want to be concerned about that. Um, of those 13 farms that we've looked at, um, about half of them are in that very high category. So so that is a bit of a concern at the moment. But then again, there are other farms. We've we've a few farms that we've been out to where they've had levels of lateness as low as three and five percent. So it is achievable. Um, yeah, which is good. And if we look at it, say, from a cow perspective, what are the impacts in terms of welfare when we look at lameness on farms? Well, I suppose it is one of the biggest welfare concerns for cows at the moment, I think. Um, and... I suppose it has a huge impact on the cow. It's painful, um, is is the number one thing. Um, it's a cause of stress. Um, it affects everything that she does. Um, and it prevents her from interacting normally and eating normally. You know, when it gets to, to a severe level, it has a major impact and it causes early culling so it reduces her productive life so so these are all the impacts on the cow and then obviously that feeds forward and impacts the um, the farmer and his production system and it's a huge cause of economic loss as well for the farmer. And you, you mentioned production like do we have any figures um, you know from research environments on you know effects on production based on a cow with lameness versus a cow that's Yeah uh, so there, w- there was a study um done back in 2011 and it showed the cows that had a score of and we can maybe talk about scoring lameness scores a little bit later but a cow that was scored as lame had uh, 0.7 of a kilo less production of milk per day than a cow that was not lame and when a cow scored three which is severely lame she was producing 1.8 kilos less milk per day than a normal cow. And um, that study also showed that that reduction in milk production happened up to eight weeks before the cow was actually detected as lame. So, so it's not just for, say, the one or two weeks around the time it's of not, treatment. No, it's not. No, no, no. The, impact, the yeah. impacts begin much earlier, you know, because um, sometimes cows mightn't be spotted lame when they are, you know, when they're just at the early stages. Now, farmers are good at picking up cows when they're really lame, but those cows have probably been subclinically lame for quite a long period of time and the production has been dropping as a result. And I suppose, interestingly, this time of year, you know, cows are, say, farmers are breeding cows. Um, Is there an impact on fertility? Like, I can imagine a lame cow isn't necessarily going to be standing um, to be mounted 
you know, do they see impacts of lame cows in terms of fertility yeah, performance? Yeah, definitely. Now, I don't have precise figures there for you, but again, it it, it affects their standing to be mounted, express, it, it affects their heat expression. Um, and it's just another stressor on the body. And in order for cows to um, ovulate and have normal cycles and to conceive, you know, the, the stress on the whole system needs to be minimal. Um, so when they're lame, it affects all of that. And cows that are lame have increased calving intervals, uh, lower conception rates, more open days and um, and so on. And you mentioned, um, say, scoring. Mm-hmm. So can you explain what you mean by that? So mobility scoring is is a way of examining your cows and assigning them a score based on how well they're walking. And the idea of that is to pick up cows that are in the early stages of lameness and, you know, decide what you're going to do with them then as a result of the score that they get. And it's all about being proactive. As I said, farmers are very good at spotting the cows that are, you know, in the advanced stages of lameness. But mobility scoring, if it's done regularly, is a a really good way of trying to get those cows at an early stage. And it's really important because the earlier you treat a cow, the more chance she has of recovering. So if you leave her until she's a score three, she's, you know, far less likely to recover um, and recover quickly than if you get a cow when she's at the earlier stages. So a cow can be mobility scored and there's a few different scoring systems, but the one we've been using in our study um, has uh, four levels. So a cow is either a zero, which is perfectly normal. She's one where she's just a little bit, um, you know, not walking as fluidly and and, um, as freely as we'd like. Um, But it can be hard to identify exactly what leg she's lame on. Um, A cow with a score two is is clinically lame and her lame leg is easily identifiable. Um, A cow with a score of three is severely lame and she is not able to keep up with the rest of the herd. And... You know, what category a cow falls into will dictate the course of action. So a cow that scores zero is perfect. You're happy with her. A one, you would note her number and just keep an eye on her to watch for further progression. Uh, The two, she needs to be examined. She needs to have her hoof lifted as soon as possible. Definitely no later than, you know, 24, absolutely 48 hours at an absolute maximum. Um, And the cow that scores three, needs to be seen by a vet, I would say, immediately because she's she's in serious pain and she's in a lot of trouble. And if if people are considering uh, mobility scoring their herd, like how regularly should one do that? Um, I think we'd be saying once a month is um, is a good is a good place to start. And causes of lameness from from what you see out on farms and and what what you know based on your research what are the main causes and sources of lameness in the country? So um, at the moment you know cows are out of grass and um, they are walking I suppose quite a lot to and from the parlour and the main causes of lameness we're seeing at the moment are the mechanical causes of lameness which include bruising and white line disease mainly. So um, those would be different to what we might expect during the winter period when cows are housed indoors. Um, And in those conditions, you'd expect to see a lot more digital dermatitis or mortillaro um, and slurry heel, the infectious type 
uh, diseases which are caused by, you know, poor environmental conditions. But yeah, at the moment we're seeing bruising, which is, um, you know, it's a it's a, a factor of um, cows stepping on stones um, and uh, white line disease. Again, mechanical damage um, often predisposed to by I suppose sometimes if the hooves are wet it can increase the likelihood that they that they will suffer from white line disease but often when you get shearing forces on the hoof such as turning and twisting um, and that can often happen in collecting yards as well if they're too small or if there's cows fighting and then you get the stresses on the white line which is the junction between the the wall and the sole of the hoof and that's a weak point and once you get um, stress on that then you can get uh, disease and, you know, we'll, we'll I suppose we'll focus on the mechanical causes, as you call them, from that are happening at this time of year. And it's as a result of walking. Um, you know, how can we prevent, um, say, bruising and white line disease, you know, in the environment, whether it's, you know, the the collecting yard or the I suppose the laneways into the, the the roadways into the into the collecting yard? Yeah, well, I suppose the number one thing is to try and make sure that your roadways are in good shape. And, um, you know, it's I suppose it can be expensive enough to to maintain the roadways, um, but it's really, really important, um, you know, that the, the roadways should be nice and level. There shouldn't be pooling of water. There shouldn't be free stones um, in as far as possible. There shouldn't be, um, you know, piles of manure where cows can't see you know, the stones that might lie underneath. There's, there's, you know, they should be wide enough so that the cows can pass um, easily with good cow flow. There's a whole range of things um, that need to be looked at in terms of the roads, but that's probably the number one thing. Also, what's really important is the manner in which the cows are, are travelling over them. So it's really important that cows be allowed to take their time when they're walking on the roads. Um, interestingly enough, we've seen we've seen some... Some farms that have had pretty what we would classify as poor enough roadways with lots of stones, but quite low levels of lameness. And we were thinking that it's it's because, you know, the cows are let walk slowly. There's not a huge number of them. They're allowed to take their time because cows can see where the stones are. They're very careful about where they put their feet. If they can see the stones and they're allowed the time, they can avoid them. But if they're if they're rushed over them, you know, with quads, dogs, people rushing cows is a major, major cause of um, of those mechanical injuries. Yeah, I think it's they, they, they do say that if the cow's head is down, she can see where she's going. Yeah, but if she's yeah. rushing, the head yeah, is up. Yeah, yeah, the head is up. Yeah, you, you know, definitely the, don't want to be seeing heads up. Yeah, That's, so the feet are going everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then if we if we focus then on the indoor time, and I suppose it isn't so important this time of year for us. Um, you know, we, we typically have cows out and they'll be out for the next maybe six months at least. Um, but when we look at indoor diseases, you mentioned Martellaro mm-hmm. and that spread through dung. Would that be fair yeah, to say? Yeah, it's um, it's a type of bacteria. Um is implicated in this disease and it's present in slurry and in in unhygienic conditions. And quite often, unfortunately, the source of the infection can be from a bought-in animal. So some farmers will have no problems for years and then maybe buy in some heifers or something. And then uh, once it's in the herd, unfortunately, it's very difficult to eliminate completely. So it's all about trying to control it. And the key to controlling it is to maintain hygienic conditions indoors so that's you know make sure the yards are kept scraped as much as possible as you know that the cows are standing in a clean dry conditions um as much as possible 
of course, foot, ba- foot bathing then helps to control, is part of the control um, of this disease as well as um, the other infectious diseases like slurry heel and di- interdigital dermatitis. But, um, you know, really, really key is, is keeping the indoor environment clean and dry. And and you and we'll pick up then for, on the foot bathing. I know that you know, you know, talking to farmers across the country, some people will say, "Oh, I, I'm I'm doing it regularly." Yeah. So I do it once a week or, mm-hmm. um, you know, once a month. Should farmers um, foot bath regularly? I think it's probably a good idea, uh, definitely, and certainly during the winter period. How much a farmer needs to foot bath really depends on his own individual situation. So obviously, if he's having a a high level of mortadaro, he needs to be foot bathing regularly and possibly daily, depending on on the level of um, disease. Farmers, you know, that are that are out grazing, um, that have no issues with infectious diseases, maybe do not need to foot bathe as regularly. Um, what I would say as well is it's very important for farmers to consult with their vets as well and try and come up with a tailored herd health foot uh, care management program in consultation with the vet uh, to try and address these issues. And if if a farmer is having a problem, it's again, it's really important to uh, monitor the cases of disease uh, and record everything. Because if you don't record what's happening, you've no way of knowing whether any, you know, measures you're you're taking are having a beneficial effect. And then if we think about the records and as you say, the animal health is traditionally something that we don't keep an awful lot of records for. And I think people are improving and they have various apps on their phone where they're recording treatments or even just instance of things like lameness, mastitis. With records, um, where do you draw the line and whether a cow is you know, should remain in a system or the system isn't working for, you know, a cow. Maybe it's that they're traveling a long distance um, and she's just not capable of maintaining that, you know, twice a day. Yeah, well, I suppose it's difficult. It's difficult to say exactly, you know, each cow is different. Each situation is is different. If a cow is having repeated um, incidents of lameness, I mean, she's going to eventually turn into a cull cow. Um, because she can't cope in the system. But what what we need to focus on is t- trying to prevent her getting lame in the first place. Because a cow that it becomes lame is two to four times more likely to develop uh, lameness subsequently. So it's one of the biggest risk factors for a cow's becoming lame is if she's had a previous lameness episode. Um, so, you know, and once she's, once she's become lame once, it's kind of a vicious circle, you know, because changes occur in the structure of the hoof that mean that the, that claw is more susceptible to damage the next time. And if that occurs early in her life, then, you know, um, she's her basically her whole productive life is um, impacted there. Um, so so that's really, really important. Um, and another another thing I forgot to mention when we were just talking about the indoor uh, situation and as regards keeping keeping yards clean and that another really important thing is to make sure the cows have enough cubicles um, to to lie down in because again if they don't have enough cubicles to lie down in um, they're going to be standing in that slurry you know and they're going to be increasing the stress on their on their hooves which all contributes to development of disease so what we would say is that cows should have at an absolute minimum one cubicle per cow and um, 
ideally you'd like to give them 10% more cubicles than, than cows, which people often kind of laugh at a little bit and say, sure, you know, that's, this is all very well, you know, but these things cost money. But uh, that's the recommendation. And the reason behind that is that, you know, subordinate animals and heifers, for example, may not want to lie next to a dominant cow. And that, and if that's the only cubicle that's available, she'll stand rather than lie down. So the extra is to, is to allow a little bit for that. It's a really, really interesting point. Like I know yeah. that an awful lot of farms have expanded and... Mm you know, the cubicle spaces probably haven't um, followed yeah, on I from think so, cow yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah, so, you're, you know, the ratio of one cubicle to one cow probably isn't there on a lot of farms. I wouldn't think so at the minute, but it's really important. And we kind of disregard the winter housing period a little bit because we think, oh, you know, we, we've got a pasture-based system here in Ireland. We're out of grass. But it's it's a significant part of the year for, for a lot of farmers. Um, cows are indoors and this should be the time where we're kind of allowing them to rest and regenerate and prepare for the next lactation. So optimum conditions indoor are are really important. Cows are probably travelling further than they've ever travelled before on farms over the last three or four years. Um, is, the, is that increasing the prevalence of poor hoof health and lameness in the country? Yeah, well, our study will answer that question, we hope, um, because we'll have a lot more data at the end of this year. We'll have 100 farms. Some of those farms would have expanded, some won't. So we'll be able to to answer that question. Um, I would, my feeling is definitely, yeah, you know, when, when cows are walking longer distances, it's it's just more opportunity for uh, damage, more pressure, more stress on the hooves. So for that reason, I mean, I think farmers uh, really need to just... Um, you know, see this as a potential issue and to try and take proactive steps to address it. And that involves um, looking at the whole farm, looking at what potential risk factors there are there, you know, doing what they can do to um, to minimise those risk factors. Now, you know, within reason, like obviously, you know, you could invest their in huge amounts of money in infrastructure, which is probably a good idea, but not everybody has that. But there are definite things that um, people can do to minimise the um, impact of lameness and to address it. And one of those is regular mobility scoring, you know, and keeping records and at least um, identifying cows early and lifting them early. Because what a lot of people do tend to do is to, um, you know, wait until they have a few cows lame. And, and um and you know some cows could be waiting up to a week in that case in by which time um the lameness could have progressed to a much greater level than if she was had her hoof lifted on the first day we've seen a lot of cases of just um where the problem is is a simple stone that just kind of got lodged a bit in the in the hoof if that had been removed on the first day um the cow would have returned to normal function pretty quickly um but if it's left, the stone can burrow in, cause an abscess, and then you've got a cow that is severely lame and will take way longer to recover. So I would suggest if anybody wants to invest in, in things, um, a good system whereby the cow's foot can be lifted easily is is something to consider. And I suppose you're picking up on an awful lot of, say, the, I suppose, preventative type actions that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mobility, the sco- mobility scoring the cows, identifying, you know, problems, you know, nearly before they happen. Mm. Um, you know, having good infrastructure in terms of roadways and I suppose the collecting yard, as we mentioned earlier on. Um, you also mentioned herding cows, you mm. know, that, you know, be aware, you know, the cows aren't rushing yeah. and that they're taking their time. Are there any other actions that you can think of that, um, you know, would be good and proactive in terms of, um, you know, reducing the the pressure on hoofs on farms? 
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, well, one thing to do is to talk to the to the vet and try and if there if there is um, an issue or if not, just have a look at the farm from a holistic perspective, I suppose, and try and look at everything that could be impacting and come up with a, you know, protocol for um foot bathing for preventative hoof trimming so you know as well as getting the hoof trimmer or the vet out to look at the lame cow when it arises it's definitely a good idea to have at least once a year to have all all of the cow's feet lifted not necessarily trimmed if it's not required but to have them lifted and a good time to do that is um you know at dry off when they're when they're going in to be housed um another thing that's probably worth looking at is um the way animals are treated around the time of calving because the, when, a, when a cow is calving, that's the time at which she's most vulnerable to um, becoming lame because in order to uh, actually give birth to a calf, the ligaments in the cow's body all need to soften, basically. The ligaments in the in the pelvic canal in order to let the calf out. Some enzymes are released which allow these ligaments to soften so everything gets softer. But... Um, Unfortunately, these enzymes also affect the ligaments in the in the foot. So you get the, the ligaments that hold the bone inside of the hoof soften also so that the bone is a lot more mobile inside of the hoof. So for the six to eight weeks after calving or in, in that in that um, periparturian period, the cow is a lot more vulnerable to developing hoof lesions. So a lot of cows in our systems tend to calve and they're straight in away with the milking herd Um I think it probably would be a good idea to try and keep them um, separate from the other herd um, for a period of a, a few days, you know, obviously not six weeks, but for a few days just to give them a little bit of extra care, a little bit of extra minding. Um, and um, that particularly would go for heifers joining the, the milking herd because they're the most um, vulnerable animals. If they get lame at this early stage, they're going to have problems throughout their entire lives. And um, they then they're the most susceptible to bullying as well. So and all of that twisting and turning is going to um, affect these very vulnerable hooves just after calving. So people just need to be kind of cognizant of that and try and, you know, uh, formulate their management plans to minimise that sort of trauma. I suppose finally, Mern, can you give us your top three tips to tackle poor motility and lameness on farms? Uh, well, I would say mobility score, yeah, is is definitely number one. Uh, treat treat early, and um, and prevention is key. It's absolute, absolutely, it's all about prevention. Um, look at the risk factors on your farm. Try and see well what could be causing a problem here. Are my roadways in need of maintenance? Is my collecting yard too small? Are the cows all bunched up in it and twisting, turning, and? Um, you know, um, or am I herding them too quickly? You know, and and it's all about prevention. And and big differences can be made with relatively small changes. But uh, and record everything as well, so that you know what's what's going on. That's great. Thank you, Mern. You're welcome. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Mern Keneally for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.